Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I didn't want to be an angry person because I thought of my mom as an angry person. And I was terrified that I was going to be the kind of person who just went around hurting people she loved because she couldn't keep herself from not saying mean things. Welcome to Tell Me About Your Mother. I'm Amy Westervelt. That was writer Ashley C. Ford you heard from in the intro. Ashley was nice enough to have me over to her apartment in Brooklyn for a cup of tea and a chat about her mother. If you're familiar with her writing, I don't need to tell you that she was incredibly open and insightful. Before we get to that, a quick word about what we're doing here. This is the first episode of Tell Me About Your Mother, which I describe as a podcast about women in history, personal and broad. Our relationships with our mothers have a huge impact on us, and for women, and I'd say especially women living today, they're also a window into broader social history. Changes in cultural norms around women's places in the world, their role in their families and in the workplace, their sexuality, that all plays out in their relationships with their children and especially with their daughters. It's my hope that in digging into women's personal stories about their mothers, we'll discover some insights into broader social and cultural forces at work. That definitely held true in this conversation with Ashley, so let's get to it. It's cold out here, mama. Yes, it's starting to snow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ashley C. Ford is currently a senior features writer at Refinery29. She's written for a ton of other publications, too, including The Guardian, Elle, BuzzFeed, Slate, and Teen Vogue. She's currently working on a memoir that spends a lot of time on her childhood, during which her dad was incarcerated and her mom raised Ashley and her three siblings on her own in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Just a heads up that there was a little bit of construction going on in Ashley's apartment, so if you hear a low rumble sometimes, that's what it is. Tell me all about your mother. No, like your childhood and, and like, you know, 
what your relationship was like with your mom growing up. Our relationship from three to 10, I mean, even uh, to be perfectly honest, our relationship up until my mid twenties, um, the best way to describe it would be not easy. My mother and I never had an easy relationship. We never had an easy rapport. On my end, it was a mixture of fear and indignation toward her. Mm -hmm. And I think on her end, it was a lot of um, resenting the fact that I think she felt like I felt like she wasn't a good mother. And when she thought about everything she did for us and how hard it was, um, it made her really angry, like really angry. Yeah. And I was both afraid of her anger and extremely indignant about it. I, I felt like my mom's anger was always just too much, too far. And it often made me just, it made me angry, but in a different way, in a really controlled way. Mm-hmm. My mother and I deal with our emotions very differently yeah i think i'm more open about my emotions but i'm still pretty controlled my mom is the kind of person who even now now less so but especially when i was a kid not very open about her emotions at all and angry all the time and not really controlled Um, my mom did and said a lot of things that she would not apologize for even if they crossed the line, which they often did. <laughs> and um, it was, but even then, to me, it was so clear sometimes that she wanted to take something she said back, but she thought it would make her look weak or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, just like not easy. My mom was a person trying to hide her emotions who had a very, very emotionally sensitive daughter, and I was her first child. Yeah. So, yeah. And how many siblings do you have? I'm the oldest of four. Okay. And she was a single mom raising yes. you guys. And yes. And she was like working and supporting. Working. When I went to college, um, had to fill out the FAFSA. I was so annoyed about the fact that so many people seemed to have parents who could help them with the FAFSA, and I didn't. She was just like, here are my taxes, you know? Like, it was a combination of the computer and, you know, just not knowing what she was doing, not, you know, all of those things. Um, but I remember doing, using her taxes to do my FAFSA and realizing that she made that year the most she had ever made in her life. And she had made about Mm $37,000. Like that was how much money she made. And I had no idea that we were living off so little. Like, I never could have told you, like, you know, I didn't know how much with four kids by herself, you know. So, yeah, it was just this was in Indiana. This was in Indiana in Fort Wayne. Mm -hmm. Okay, what did what did she do like for work when you were growing up? She's correctional officer. She worked at the jail. So she had a uniform. Um, So she worked at she worked at the jail. Um, wore the uniform, everything. She was sort of like a guard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she did not go out into the city as an officer. She was just an officer inside the jail. So, you know, it was very, it was very weird having her work at the jail. It became more weird as I became an adult because people that I went to high school with started going to jail. 
And my mom would like text me and be like, so oh, you know, your serious. friend such and such is in jail. Yeah, girl, she, you know, whatever. And I would be like, oh, my goodness, you know, or when we were a lot of my family actually works in law enforcement. Um, so when we were younger, it was always like, you know, if you hung out with somebody, you family always asked first and last name because they were going to run their name through the system. Yeah. They're going to try to find them and see if <laughs> and see if, you know, something was amiss. So, and my mom was like that. And it was, it was mostly strange because it seemed like her work life was her work life and her work personality were so different from what we got at home. Um, People at her job always talked about how happy she was, how she was always smiling, how she was friendly, how she talked to everybody. You know what I mean? We would see people out on the street who would be like, hey, Officer Ford. And we knew that if they called her Officer Ford, that they had been inmates. Mm -hmm. And my mom had been so kind to them or something at some point that they remembered her. They knew her. They would tell her how they were getting their life together, how she wasn't going to see them at the jail no more. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it was just so strange because we didn't, I feel like we didn't, like, my mom was never like, hey, let's just talk. Or let's, you know, you would see these shows about how, like, these kids would be like, oh, because their parents were always trying to get them to talk. And I was like, my mom has no interest in anything I'm doing or anything, I think. early teens or like preteen years did she ever talk to you about relationships or sexuality or any of that stuff oh yeah some absolutely you know at first it was very you better not do nothing you know what I mean like it was like that um it was actually you know my mom when I was very young when I was around eight years old um actually I was probably closer to six or seven uh, one of my cousins was molested by her stepdad. And that's when things got really weird <laughs> in my house because my mom, I think, got so worried because I think it was the moment she realized that something like that could happen to me or happen to my brother or happen to my little sister. Mm-hmm. And her reaction to that was sort of like... It, I think in her, to her it was concern, but it came across as anger. And it would be like, what happened? Who was there? Did somebody touch you? Did I, you know, and it felt like yeah. it was my, like something, it felt like if something had happened, it was already my fault. Yeah. It was immediately my fault. Even though she would say stuff like, if somebody do that to you, that don't have nothing to do with you. That has to do with them. They did wrong, you know, whatever. And I'm like, yeah, but you're still yelling at me about the hypothetical situation that someone might have tried something with me. Can you understand how that makes me feel, you know? Yeah. So uh, there was that. And that made me afraid of just men and boys and stuff in general for several years. Yeah. And then when I sort of got over that, when I was at a different place in my life, you know, my mom initially talked to me about sex in a way that was just dissuading me from doing it. And then eventually she was sort of like, you know, people do it. It's like whatever. Um, If you're going to do it, I would prefer you wait. But if you're going to do it, let me know so that we can get you birth control. Yeah. And my mom also told me, again, a little later, when I was probably around 17 or 18, 
um, right before I was about to, you know, thinking about college and going off to college, my mom told me, you know, she basically had three things that I should keep in mind when it came to sex. Mm -hmm. One of those things was to protect my heart, which means if I'm having sex with someone because I have feelings for them, it's going to really suck to find out afterward that they don't have feelings for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So be careful of that. Protect my body, which meant birth control, condoms, getting tested, Mm -hmm. making sure that the other person was getting tested, like whatever, all of those things. And then the third thing she told me was that if he's getting his, you should be getting yours. (laughs) So she used to always tell me like a lot of women think good sex, being good at sex means being like his pleasure and it all being about his pleasure. No, you're supposed to be getting something out of this too. And if you're not getting anything out of it, he's not working hard enough. And in that case, it's not worth it for you. Yeah. So I was like, okay. It's a good talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's a decent talk. Good job, Mom. Um, what about, like, I know that I've read your essay in The Guardian about how, uh, the, I think it was, I'm queer no matter who I'm with. Mm-hmm. Does, is your mom sort of, like, aware of all that? How has she handled, I don't know, did you have to, like, come out to her at some point or talk a to her little. about that? or like? A little bit. She is yeah. aware that I'm that I consider myself bisexual yeah. and queer. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why she is fine with it and accepts it is because I'm in a relationship with a man. Right. And so that makes her feel safer. I actually think she would prefer that I not identify as bisexual or queer because she feels like because I'm with Kelly, I don't have to. Right. And why would I identify that way? Why would I take that on? You know, like and courting the, trouble or something. Yeah, like I'm courting trouble. Yeah. You know, why would I accept the stigma of a situation that she feels like I'm not currently in? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's because she defines it by obviously like who you're with and yeah. not how immediate you feel. context. Yeah. yeah, immediate context. Yeah. So yeah. It's cold out here, mama. Yes, it's starting to snow. What about um, your work life? Has she, I don't know, does she understand it? She doesn't super understand it. She's proud of me. She says she's proud of me a lot. Um, she wishes I would write about happier things. Um, she feels like I don't acknowledge the fact that I had happy times as a child, which is not true and (laughs) but you know she's the kind of person my mom is just the kind of person who would read something I wrote and usually not all the time but usually only see the bad yeah and that's kind of been true my entire life related to her like oh yeah like the bad related to her like how does this make me look or like what does this mean about how she feels about me how does this make me look mm-hmm. is the bingo statement that you just made. Yeah. I don't think my mom worried or worries about how I feel about her as a parent for mm-hmm. the most part. I think for the most part, she is worried that I will tell people that she was not a good parent. Right. I think for the most part, she's worried about the perception of her as a parent mm-hmm. and not really the feelings of her children about her parenting because like any parent like any parenting situation the answer to that is complex did she always get it right no who does yeah 
who always gets it right. Like nobody has the parent who always got it right. Right. Like that just doesn't exist. Yeah. And that might be every mom's goal, but that is no mom's reality. Yeah. So I I feel like telling the truth is not marking her. Mm-hmm. as some sort of subpar parent. You know, as I'm working on this book, as I'm, you know, writing this book, I one of the things that is very important to me is to not create heroes or villains. Yeah. Nobody is all bad, nobody's all good because I'm trying to write a true story. Right. And true stories, when you think about life, nobody is all good or yeah. all bad. It's you know? Yeah. I think of myself as a pretty good person. I know for a fact I've done some fucked up things even just in the past couple years. Yeah. You know, that really warning. You know, this morning, to be perfectly honest, like, it's like, I know that I've done fucked up things, but I also know that those things do not sum me up. Right. They are not all of me. They're not a summary of the kind of person I am. There are bad decisions I made. Yeah. My mom made some bad decisions, you know? And yes, because she is a mother, those things affect her children for the rest of their lives. Like, I have no delusions about you know these feel you know like just going away or not remembering or not being affected I have no delusions about that yeah um what I believe in is accepting what happened and because I'm a writer um telling the truth in my writing about what happened yeah and of course there are going to be moments that are good. Of course there are things I'm writing about in this book that are beautiful and amazing because me and my mom have had some beautiful moments. Yeah. We absolutely have. Have they been consistent? Probably not, but whose are? It's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a lot of back and forth. And because of the time that I'm writing about, there's probably more bad than good. But that's just because at the time... That's what our lives look like. Are there any particular things that you sort of see in yourself or how you handle things that that you kind of think are either somewhat related to the relationship with your mom or something that you've kind of been like I'm definitely not going to do this thing that my mom did or I'm not going to be like this type of woman in these ways oh yeah I mean here's what you got first of all I'm a Capricorn when I was a kid (laughs) when I was around 10 or 11 years old Mm -hmm. I kept a set of note cards that whenever my mom did something that I thought wasn't awesome I wrote down what it was and why I didn't want to be like that. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of stuff I did. So understand (laughs) that when I talk about my mom and my mom and I's relationship not being easy, that is not all because of my mom. Yeah. I'm not, I was not an easy kid. Like, I just wasn't. And not because I was getting in trouble. Yeah. You know, I wasn't that kind of kid. I was just rarely satisfied with anybody's answer for any question I had. Yeah. And I was extremely judgmental. As a child, like as a child, I would be like, that was the wrong choice. You know, like, <laughs> absolutely. I was like that. Um, but Can you remember any anything that you wrote down on a note card? Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, some of them were totally legitimate, right? Like yeah. some of them were like, I would never call my daughter a bitch or a slut or something like that. Like, I would never do that. Yeah. Um, but some of them were things like, you know, <laughs> I will never 
tell my kids I'm gonna make dinner and then not make dinner. Mm-hmm. I will never do. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. That's like things that were like inevitably. That's not gonna happen. Yeah. Like some that you're gonna be like, yeah, I'm gonna make dinner, and then you're gonna be like, no, guys, I'm actually ordering. You know what? I mean? yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, I will spend time. I will actually spend time with my kids. I will try to get to know them on an individual basis, and you know, all you know, stuff like that. That you know, it was tough. Like that stuff was tough. I know. Like it took me a lot of years to be comfortable with my anger, because I was so used to my mother's anger that was so out of control and my reaction to my anger and feeling out of control was to cry which would then you know my mom would be like why are you so sensitive you gotta stop being so sensitive you know and things like that and oh Ashley's crying again Ashley's sensitive you know and it was just this thing where I was like oh I need to just not feel Mm -hmm. like I need to be able to not really feel things or you know that's what I thought and so I spent a lot of years trying not to feel things and feeling extremely disappointed in myself when I did and not wanting to lose my temper, you know, because the way I felt with my mom off is like, even if she doesn't apologize, I felt like I understood that she had lost her temper. Right. Um, and that that wasn't necessarily a thing that she actually believed or whatever. It was just a moment of recklessness emotional recklessness and i never wanted to be emotionally reckless um but that also yeah but it caused me to shut myself down in certain ways because at that age you don't really have like an understanding of what emotional recklessness like is or looks like or what fuels it it's just (laughs) like oh well feelings are clearly too much because look what it does to my mom to feel I don't want to be like that. And so it took me a long time to be able to um, comfortably express my emotions. And it took even longer to comfortably express anger. That was re- that was the tough one for me. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be an angry person because I thought of my mom as an angry person. And I was terrified that I was going to be the kind of person who just went around hurting people she loved because she couldn't keep herself from not saying mean things. And in our godless household, you were the sole deity. And I've had a lot of those as an adult, like these revelations of like, you know, these are things that I think my mom did really well as a parent, you know, which I don't think I'd always acknowledged before, that there were certain things that my mom just did really well. Like what? Um, like, my mom has never in my life dissuaded me from following a dream. That's cool. My mom has never, ever, ever told me that I couldn't do something, wasn't capable of something, or that I should find something more practical Mm -hmm. ever in my life. Like, my mom has always been like, you know, is that what you want to do? Okay, go do it. You know, is that what you want to do? I changed my major seven times in college. You know, six or seven times, I think. And my mom, every time, you know, was just like, was that what you want to do? Okay. You know, and it probably helps that, you know, financially she wasn't really contributing to me being a So, you know, whether you skin off her back. But I think it was also, but she had always been like that. My mom always wanted me to, like, indulge my interests and to live my life in the direction of my dreams. Always. And she encouraged that. And I think that that is 
probably at the end of the day, like the biggest factor in any success I've ever had is that I was never tempted, not tempted, I was never expected to do the more practical thing. You mentioned before that, that things kind of shifted with your mom's relationship when you were like in your 20s-ish. Mm -hmm. What was the, the catalyst for that? I think it was probably just age. I think it was also my mom's second marriage to Donald, who is um, kind of my stepdad. They ended up getting divorced, but they still hang out all the time. Mm -hmm. And Donald still kind of considers himself our stepdad. Yeah. So we just like, oh, stepdad, you know, it's Donald. Yeah. Um, But... I think it a big part of it was Donald, who um, had a very different relationship with his children than my mom had with hers. Uh -huh. um, not better or worse, just different. Yeah. And I think my mom, through conversations with Donald, started to see the places where she had sort of, um, I think, pushed us away as much as we had pushed her away in different circumstances. I think she saw, I think he helped her see certain places where, you know, she was had like these hard lines that she could soften. And it's like, she just had to give herself permission to. Yeah. I think he helped her with that. Um, and then just age, like I think also some distance. My mom and I just do better when I don't live close to my mom. Yeah. I love her very much, but our relationship almost immediately got better when I stopped being a person who lived in her house, even on like holiday breaks and things. Because there were just some things that, you know, the minute I got a, a taste of freedom, the minute I got that whiff of freedom of living in the dorm at college, it hit me that like, oh, I can't go back. Like I can't go back to living the way I lived with my mom, which was like sort of always with like the fear that something was going to happen mm -hmm. there was going to be some conversation some argument there was always something you know a lot of my mom's anger unfortunately was driven by her guilt for what she was not able to do so there was a lot of there was a lot of this very strange tell me what you want tell me about this event you're having. Tell me about all of it. I'm your mom. Like, of course I want to know. Yeah. But then what I wanted, she wasn't able to get. So I would ask about it. Hey, mom, remember when you said this? Can we go do that? And then she would get mad. And I can't even believe you asked me for that. Or there would be some event that she just wouldn't show up for. So I just stopped telling her about the events because I was like, it's too much. Like, I think sometimes... Even if, like, even through understanding that it was hard for her mm -hmm. being a single parent, totally understandable. It's also hard as a kid to keep telling your parent that you're getting this award. You're being honored at this thing. There's, like, an event for, like, something you're involved in. Whatever. Mm -hmm. And to keep having her not show up and not know whether or not she's going to show up. Yeah. It like it messed with my anxiety, which I didn't know that that was it was that's what it was at the time. But yeah. it messed with my anxiety, and it also just like it was this thing where you know this is another thing that I think I probably got from 
my childhood is that like this just fear of disappointment yeah it's like why even let yourself be disappointed again you know how this goes Mm -hmm. and that's what was hard that was what was most hard with my mom was like the inconsistency and me wanting to be able to be like i know my mom's gonna be here or i know my mom's gonna show up for this and to be able to think something like that confidently i never had that and i also had no real understanding of why that was the case because even though my mom was like that she never talked to us about why it was like that My mom justified a lot of cruel behavior with the knowledge that she was the parent and she was the person who was in charge. And so that should really be all that mattered, is that she was in charge. And in some cases, I I totally get that when it comes to the safety of your children and stuff. Who cares what they think or feel? Like, it's like, I got to keep my kids safe, you know? But there was also this emotional wall that I wasn't able to get past with her. Sometimes I think that wall was there and I wasn't able to get past it because it was a lot of stuff she hadn't even dealt with for herself. So how do you even start talking to your kids about something that you haven't really even processed? Um, But I also think a lot of it was just the idea of propriety. You know, it shouldn't matter if I showed up or not. It shouldn't matter if I called you something or not. You know, like it was, it's a very perception based, like focus on parenting. She wanted, I felt like she wanted to be able to tell people, Ashley said, Ashley going to ask me why I didn't show up. Can you believe? And I told her, you know, but, and I felt like it felt like that was the purpose and not really, I want my kid to be strong and bright and to feel physically and emotionally safe like I felt like those might have been her goals but her actions were not congruent with those goals do you feel like your mom wanted to give you different opportunities than she had yes Um, yeah I feel like most of the problems in our relationship stem from the fact that my mom wanted a very different life for all of her children and I think the eternal frustration of not being able to provide that, of being on your own, of having these men who you made these children with not step up and make real commitments to you or the children. Mm -hmm. You know, even like my dad loved us. My dad had like, you know, a million and five ideas. You know, my mom used to tell me about how I was like two months old and my dad was looking at the listings at the community center for like dance classes and stuff like that. He wanted me to be in dance classes. He wanted me to be in, you know, like a science group. And also my mom was like, she's two months old. You know what I mean? Like they had this dream for my life and, you know, also for like my brother's life that did not come to fruition Mm -hmm. at all. You know, my mom has great kids. Don't get me wrong. Like, my siblings are amazing. Yeah. They are amazing people. But I think she wanted us to have more of a head start than what we had. And I think her inability to provide that for us, not based off lack of motivation, not based off of lack of hard work, not based off a lack of trying, an inability purely based on circumstance Mm -hmm. 
I think it drove, I think it sort of created this thing where like, <laughs> like how could we not annoy her? We were in a lot of ways, physical reminders of all that she could not do. like things have changed that much for women and particularly for black women from the time that like your mom was your age now to now I don't know I really don't know I really don't know it's <laughs> I, know. I mean it, it's t like I want to say yes I really do um but I am just not sure um I think mass incarceration is worse now than it was then Mm -hmm. I think, I think the fear of losing your children to the state, to the streets, mm -hmm. to, you know, um, a cop <laughs> yeah. is worse than ever. So I, I don't know. Part of my reluctance to have children mm -hmm. is because I, I, I don't know if I could do it better. Yeah. And if I don't know if I could do it better, I, I just don't want to, I believe I, I believe I deserved a better childhood. Mm. I don't necessarily blame anybody right. for the fact that I didn't. Yeah. I just know that I deserved a better one. Um, and I am not sure at this point in my life that I could provide that for a kid mm -hmm. so i wait you know now there are some things you know i see a lot more black women coming around on the spanking issue which makes me happy um because yeah. i i i am very 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 against hitting kids you know I, like when i was younger and before i had kids i was like well yeah if a kid's acting up you know because <clears throat> i mean my mom used to just, just like she has huge hands. And oh, like, so do I. We used to and just so does my mother. be like dodging them constantly. Yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of like, whatever. And then I had kids. And the idea of hitting those kids is like, like it actually made me be like, wow, that was like, it, I don't, I don't think I even really like thought about it as being abusive mm -hmm. um, until that, like until then. And then I was like, Wow how could you just slap your kids? You know? Like, yeah. I, like suddenly you were like, it's messed up that we really think it's up. okay <laughs> for somebody. Here's what messes me up about the spanking debate. A lot of times I'm like, why is it okay for me to slap a person yeah. who is much smaller than me yeah. for saying something or doing something I don't like, but not someone the same size. Exactly. Yeah. Or bigger. You're, well, the other thing too is it's like, you don't want your kids smacking other kids. Nope. So why are you smacking them? Oh, that yeah. You know? It happens. Like, they're going to see... How yeah. are they going to not see that and think that that's how you handle that situation? What do you do when you feel like someone is being disrespectful, disrespecting you, and or just not doing what you want them to do? Yeah. Just not doing what you want them to do. You yeah. hit them. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how you deal with it. Yeah. And... I think it's messed up. I think 
it is especially in the black community this like like a lot of black people I know consider it like a cultural thing you know like no black people whoop their kids we whoop our kids yeah and it's like why why are you proud of that why are you proud of the fact that as a culture we have decided to be collectively okay with hitting people who are smaller than us yeah like why would that be cute or okay and then they'll say stuff like, well, better I do it than them be locked up or have a cop do it, yeah. which then makes me go, you should visit a jail sometimes and ask them how many of them got hit. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, yeah. I guarantee you, yeah. you would be hard pressed to find one person in jail who will tell you that they never got hit by their parents as a kid. Mm-hmm. It is a whack and inaccurate excuse. Yeah. If you just like hitting kids, say you just like hitting kids. Yeah. It's just a pastime for you. It's something that you like to do in the world. Yeah. I like hitting my kids. All right, cool. But be real about it. Don't come up with every excuse in the book because here's the thing. There isn't a scientific study in the world that will tell you Hitting kids is better than not hitting them. Yeah. There isn't one that will say that. Yeah. And for some reason, parenting, even though you have so many people talk about how it's the hardest and most important job in the world, Mm -hmm. being a parent, it's the one that people take the most pride in not actually studying for. One of the things I wrote on one of those note cards, which by the way, within like, I do not, (laughs) (laughs) I do not have that. But within six months of having them, I realized that it was fucked up to have them. Yeah. And I cut them up and Even threw as them a kid, away. That's cool. Even as a kid, I yeah. was like, this is weird and fucked up. And yeah. so I cut them up and I threw them away. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I wrote on that card, and one of the things that is very important to me just as a person, was I wrote, if I am wrong, I will apologize to my children. I think it really started to mess me up when I realized that my mom would not apologize for doing wrong or bad things to me. And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what it meant that she wouldn't apologize to me. And so, you know, as a kid, nobody talks, like I said, like nobody really talks to kids about this stuff. So you come up with your own reasons why. And so it like, it made me feel like my mom thinks I'm the kind of person who doesn't deserve an apology. My mom thinks I'm the kind of person who is not worthy of being told I'm sorry. It is heartbreaking. I remember the first time that I realized my mom wasn't going to say sorry to me for doing something. And it felt like it was like a heartbreak. It was like finding out the love of my life actually didn't love me back. Mm -hmm. Like that's what it felt like. Yeah, And that they were going to stick around. But they wanted me to know I don't actually love you. And yeah, I mean, I was six. I was six. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. This is just how this is. That's so, it's so disappointing as a kid. Yeah. (laughs) No, it was incredibly disappointing. It's still disappointing. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like. Yeah. Those are things that, like, I would never bring up and be like, remember when you did this when I was six? You know what I mean? Like, that would not happen between me and my mom. But it is a thing that is, you know, that I remember vividly. Yeah. And that will never go away. Carry. Yeah. It is something that I carry. I remember it vividly. It will never go away.
I'm going to be thinking about that conversation for a while. Thanks, Ashley. I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Our next episode features Iranian-American novelist Porochista Kakpur, who is just fantastic and has an equally interesting and insightful story, although completely different from Ashley's. So I hope you'll join me for that one. Tell Me About Your Mother is produced by me, Amy Westervelt, and available via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher. Our music is composed by the super talented Mr. B. Beeman. Check out more of his stuff at bbeeman.com. That's B-H-I-B-H-I-M-A-N.com. Our illustrations are done by James Guthman, super talented artist in California. If you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing and dropping a review on iTunes. If you have feedback or questions or are interested in sharing a story about your mother, shoot me an email at amy at tmaimpod.com. That's A-M-Y at T-M-A-Y-M pod.com. You can also find us on Twitter at About Your Ma. Follow us. Thanks for listening and see you next time. <laughs>